0: And welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema.
1: I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. And this is the fourth episode and final episode in our series Fright Light, non-horror horror movies. Today, we'll be talking about Nightcrawler from 2014.
2: You have a good eye.
1: Thank you. I'm just beginning so praise from someone such as yourself where you can imagine that it means quite a lot.
2: Well, I'll help in any way I can. And of course, you can help me by calling us first. I want you to contact me when you have something.
0: Something like this? That's right. Bloody.
2: Well, that's only part of it. We like crime, not all crime. Carjacking in Compton, for example. That isn't news now, is it? We find our viewers are more interested in urban crime creeping into the suburbs. What that means is a victim, or victims, preferably well-off and white, injured at the hands of the poor or a minority. Just crime? No. Accidents play, cars, buses, trains, planes, fires. A bloody. Well, graphic. The best and clearest way that I can phrase it to you, Lou, to capture the spirit of what we air, is think of our newscast as a screaming woman running down the street with her throat cut.
0: I understand. I'm a very, very quick learner. You will be seeing me again.
1: Nightcrawler is a 2014 neo-noir psychological thriller film written and directed by Dan Gilroy in his directorial debut. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal as Louis Lou Bloom, a stringer who records violent events late at night in Los Angeles on the vampire shift, and sells the footage to a local television news station. If it bleeds, it leads. Indeed, if it bleeds, it leads.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Jake Gyllenhaal, just to start it off. Uh, is so good. I just want to say, at uh, playing these kind of intense, obsessed mm-hmm. characters, like I just love when yeah. he, you know, we've seen it in like Donnie Darko, we've seen it in uh, Zodiac, uh, we see it again here in Full Force, where he's playing more of a, uh, I guess I don't know if you, <laughs> I mean, you could you could say evil, I guess, for this character. He's pretty pretty despicable, um, and, you yeah. know, certainly a darker character than we're used to seeing him portray.
1: Um, well, it was interesting, just just to, if, since we're diving right into Jake Hall because I think this movie is inseparable. That that's the thing, yeah. It's like you can't you know, talk about it, it, this movie without talking about Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I mean he he's in every single scene in the right. movie. He You know he, he it, yeah it, 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 the whole thing kind of relies on him. Mm-hmm. But just as Jake Hall the actor, it's interesting because I was doing some research on him before and just thinking about other movies I've seen him in and it's interesting with this series because I came to the realization that you could probably do an entire fright light series just on Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> it, it is, it is a weird thing. Cause I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's done them, but I, I can't think of a single, just Jake Gyllenhaal horror movie, but he did Donnie Darko mm-hmm. nightcrawler. He did enemy. He did prisoners. Yeah. He like, he kind of does a lot of these kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so i don't know zodiac again is another one Z- yeah zodiac there, like... like yeah so maybe i don't know yeah. just if, if you if you like this kind of movie and you like jake gyllenhaal then there's a whole treasure trove of yeah of non-horror horror movies for you out there mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah getting back to nightcrawler so well
0: i mean i guess we'll we'll mention that I, I guess this film might be seen as an odd choice i think even i had to think about it for a while like does this really fit with you know especially since we're mm-hmm. ending the series with it um with the non horror, horror films. And I think, you know, even though it might seem like an odd choice, like really when it comes down to it, um, as you said, Jeremy, the idea I think you said the, the ideology uh, presented mm-hmm. in this film is really horrifying and I agree. Yeah. I think the implications of it um, are, are pretty horrific and it's also uh, another reason I wanted to do this film is because it is more of a modern cult film, which we mm-hmm. don't get to discuss very often on the show. Right. And, you know, that's, that's why we thought uh, it would be a good one to close out the series. So um, yeah, I think this mm-hmm. is the most recent movie we've talked about. Um, and for different reasons. I mean, the, a lot of cult films obviously are older because they're, you know, they, it takes time to build that, that cult reputation and audience and everything. Um, but this one, yeah, I, I, you know, it's safe to say this is, this is a cult film um, and I think it has almost, it, almost completely to, to do with, jake Hall's performance um also the writing um yeah you know the writing is just very good and the dialogue is very good in this film um the subject matter um, it, as horrifying as as jake Hall's performance is the subject matter of this film is very um it's very interesting to me it's something that i've explored in both my own film and writing projects so that's why i've, I've kind of i'm sort of drawn to this film actually i was saying Mm -hmm. to you jeremy like i was whether or not we were going to do this film in the show i would i actually wanted to rewatch this movie i just Mm -hmm. had like that feeling that i wanted to see it again and i I think it's because i'm just very interested in the subject matter of um that sort of blurring of the line uh between creator and subject um Mm -hmm. and the difference between capturing something or in this case like filming something and provoking it into being Um, that's something Mm -hmm. that and you know, different like various projects of my own. Um, I've kind of, I don't know. I just find that topic very interesting, very engaging. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah. so, and also as as a creator, someone who who makes things, um, I'm always, I'm constantly thinking about that. Um, do you find yourself contemplating that at all with with your own filmmaking or anything like that? Yeah, totally. I
1: think yeah. So I, I think with this, yeah, I'm I'm definitely into that idea. I, I think I've been talking about a lot lately too. Is just this. Um, this idea between like like fiction and, and reality and things that are presented as reality that are maybe fiction and things that are sometimes presented as fiction that cross over into reality mm-hmm. and I think that you know th- this movie essentially when it comes down to it this this character Lou Bloom is in a way a documentarian or is it Louis Bloom <laughs> or Louis yeah. Um, no, yeah. he because would, he, he would probably yeah. want to be called Lewis. <laughs> but depending on who he's talking yeah, to. Exactly. But, but he, he is essentially a documentarian. And I think one of the things that's interesting, less on the horror side, but more ideologically, is this this kind of idea of how we present truths, um, which is which is interesting. Two, because of um, when this movie was made in 2014, obviously we had the 24-hour news cycle. We were pretty deep in it. Mm. But I think, uh, you know, a few years later, culturally, we saw a big shift where discussions about the news and reliability of the news became a lot more prevalent. And I think this movie, coming back to it, that was something that I found myself interested in a lot more, Mm -hmm. Um, just having gone through the past, you know, whatever... uh, Eight or nine huh. years since this came out. Yeah. Um, I also yeah I, I saw the
0: connection with cell phone
1: footage also that we you know we yeah. now
0: cell phone footage is, is all over the news like that's they, true. they yeah, use that, it. That's another just, thing. You know, uh, almost with every story uh, or every major mm-hmm. story. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah I th- kind of you know, and that's something that in twenty fourteen I mean obviously it was around but it wasn't as prolific as. I, as, I think as,
1: there was still a hesitancy. I, I mean yeah. I know I I I, yeah. I, th- I think another reason why why this movie has kind of fascinated me. And why I was excited about this too is I work as a photographer a lot. So anything that is about, you know, people who make a living off of Uh like taking images is, is interesting to me. And as a photographer, I know that, you know, I don't do a lot of news work, um, but I know that that's been a big thing is a lot of news photographers have been put out of business because newspapers realized that, you know, Mm. at least the smaller newspapers, I don't think the New York Mm. times is doing this or LA times or whoever, but the smaller newspapers realized they could just send their reporters out with a cell phone Mm -hmm. and they could snap a few pictures And for Mm -hmm. digital articles where it doesn't actually have to like look great. You know, it's almost like I think they kind of go for the 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 philosophy like less of the the photos telling the story and more just we get as many photos as we can. (laughs) And that's how we tell the story. Mm -hmm. Um so, so there's been a kind of paradigm shift there. So it's also interesting because and one thing that to me makes this film feel culty is it's recent but also in a way, a bit of a relic of a bygone era yeah. that's still weird, happening. It, it was almost
0: it, it, right it, before, yeah, that whole expo- yeah. explosion. Yeah, not
1: that, not that the, this, these kind of guys don't still exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they definitely do, and they're still out there. But I think there's definitely a difference, especially because when it comes to you know crime, I think crime and how people deal with law enforcement i think there is like you mentioned such a such a an instinct for people now to pull out their phones and record anything that's going Mm -hmm. on you know like any major no matter how that happens no
0: matter how dangerous or
1: yeah dangerous macabre like Mm -hmm. it's just you know it's just one of those things It's like second nature to just pull
0: out yeah yeah
1: it's like we we almost you know now i think the the thing that happens a lot more is someone will just get some footage, and I know we're going on a tangent immediately before even getting into the story. But, <laughs> As but you know, that's what this is about. Yeah. But um, but I think what happens a lot now is someone will just record something on their phone and post it online, and then uh, a publication or a news channel will reach out to them. And, like, it, it's almost turned right. your average citizen into, into Blue Blue in a weird way. You know, because people blue-blue. know that. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but I think yeah. there's a thing where people, I mean, people know these days if, you, if you're somewhere where something's happening and you get it mm-hmm. on video it's like i don't think people are doing that from a documentarian point of view i don't think no. people are pulling their phones out because no. they say this is historically significant and i need to document it they're doing yeah. it because they know if they catch something crazy and then <laughs> post it on social media they'll get a lot of you know yeah. action I, and so <laughs> i don't think lou bloom cares too much about art for sure no um, no although although he's very into framing well, framing apparently.
0: yeah <laughs> and steady you got to keep your hands steady uh yeah. but yeah no as as of I know exactly what you're talking about. As a freelance videographer, I feel that pain of, oh, I Mm -hmm. could just film it myself, you know, because, you know, whereas before, you know, people would just assume any event, you know, you just have some, you have a videographer. Uh, But now it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, we have a lot of people with cell phones. Maybe we can just point a cell phone and click, you know, Mm -hmm. record. So, um, yeah. yeah, So, no, I, I definitely... I, I think there has been a big change even though this is 2014 and again the yeah. most recent movie we've talked about there has been yeah. you know it's it's further away than we, we probably even think yeah. and uh, there has been a lot of advancements yeah I
1: mean it's not like we're talking about a year ago yeah it, no it was yeah a decade, it was almost a dec- yeah I know. know. In yeah. my head, it's like not that, but yeah. Yeah, I, re- I remember this movie. Coming exactly, out. yeah. It's not, you know, yeah. it's not like talking about something. We, it's not like a racer head. Yeah, I know where, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, this, I was, I was a functional adult. Exactly, when this movie yeah. came um, out. young, young adult, but yeah. But um, but, um no, yeah. So, yeah, but, so let's let's dig let's dig a little bit into the yeah, story. Yeah. So, we... Well, as
0: we mentioned, Jake Gyllenhaal uh, is the main character, and and again, he's in essentially every scene, almost every scene, um, and he plays Lewis Bloom. And uh, as you said, a stringer, so he becomes a stringer through the course of the movie, like in the beginning, um, because mm-hmm. now this is, I want to talk about the beginning, because yeah. so the beginning is very interesting, um, because mm-hmm. when that, that first scene, um, when he essentially, atta- so he attacks a man, he, we don't know what he's mm-hmm. doing at first, but he's I guess he's stealing like supplies from like a from a construction yeah. yard. Or it's implied like that. that it's implied yeah. that he,
1: he steals and flips mm-hmm. car parts or right. something along those lines. Yeah. So I
0: had forgotten that the film opens this way. Um, and I, Cause yeah, I always, same. when I thought back on the film, I had thought of it as like this sort of slow um, mm-hmm. build toward him becoming this evil character, but he's actually mm-hmm. evil from that very first scene, which is yeah. at first, which <laughs> at first I was like, huh, okay. But the more I thought yeah. about it and the more I looked into the making of the film and, and their philosophy mm-hmm. behind it, um, where they did not want the main character to have any sort of traditional character arc at all. Um, mm-hmm. That makes complete sense. It's like you know, from yeah. that opening scene, you know everything you need to know about Louis Bloom. You, yeah, he's he's
1: a true blue sociopath he, from the moment he is,
0: and he's a criminal and and you know immoral mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, so what happens is he's trespassing in this in this I guess uh, construction yard, and a security guard comes up to him and and you know what are you doing? And shining a light on him, and now there's an interesting detail here where. And I like this. I thought it was a nice little detail of Lou looking and kind of noticing the guard's watch that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. And in the very next scene, you know, you see him start to assault the guard, and it kind of cuts away. And then in the yeah. very next scene, he's he's wearing the watch. So it's like he just, mm-hmm. you know, it's like he sees something he wants and he takes it. And, he and that's it. Yeah, like he it. the philosophy throughout the film in a way um, for him. Yeah, we get his we get his mo. That's his mo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's just interesting because again, like I always thought of it as a slow escalation of his character's intensity and obsessiveness and all mm-hmm. this, but really, it's on full display there in that first scene. Yeah, uh, he's ar- it, he's already. It, it, scary. it doesn't
1: seem like it doesn't seem like that much of a jump in a weird mm-hmm. way to do what he did later. Exactly. And just hitting some guy and taking his watch, like obviously, you know, if, if anything. I think, you know, with the exception of the very last scene, hitting a guy and taking his watch is almost worse than just exploiting people. Yeah. Like, you know, it, 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 but, you know, obviously it escalates in terms of the the level of violence. But we also don't know how badly he beats that guy up. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't see it. So it, it is that thing where it's like there, there's an escalation in terms of our eyes. Mm-hmm. But you kind of get the feeling that Lou has been doing things for years. Yeah. And, and has...
0: We don't know the backstory, which is another thing that I like yeah. um, about this. Movie. We don't get a hint. We don't get a hint. You don't. That he you any have life before this, right? And, and the scenes of mm-hmm. him when it's just him at, by himself at home or, or you know in his apartment or whatever, it's either yeah. <laughs> it's either him watering his plant or kind of just mm-hmm. staring at the TV. I mean, there is one very short scene where he's uh, screaming into the mirror and breaking it, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about yeah. that because that's the only scene that's really like that. But um, mostly, it's just him kind of. Doing his thing, um, and mm-hmm. you don't, you don't. There's no internal narration or anything like that, and yeah, you really get no backstory at all, um, which mm-hmm. I think was a smart move for this movie. I think yeah. it's certainly something that works in the movie's favor, and it, it's also something that you rarely see, um, mm-hmm. you know, for lots of reasons. But and, and and look, I'm not saying backstory isn't good, and you can't have it in any film. But I think sometimes films can, and also TV series and different things can get bogged down in that. Um, and mm-hmm. I, so there's something sort of refreshing and, and just original about just presenting this character
1: as he as we would see him going about this, yeah. this particular story. Yeah. So I think I think it's it's cool to just meeting him like this, because if we're dealing with a sociopathic character, um, I mean, like, I, I, I can't say I have too much personal experience <laughs> with sociopath. Well, I don't I know. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> there've definitely been people in my life, my life that I've met, but. If, if I kind of yeah. got that vibe, I tried to not keep them in my life for too long. But I think with that exactly, said, yeah. it kind of makes sense that someone like this, we wouldn't need a lot of backstory. There wouldn't be a lot of friends around because you kind of get the feeling that he's probably mm-hmm. someone who alienates people pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's not an easy... So I think it, it kind of makes sense because it's like, I would venture to guess that he probably doesn't really have a relationship with family. Probably not. You know, it doesn't seem like yeah. he could really manage a relationship with a partner you know, in, in a healthy way, where yeah. they actually you don't want see to be him... there for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't see him hanging around yeah. with friends or anything like that. Uh, yeah, it
1: just it just seems like he's someone who would alienate pretty much everyone pretty quickly, yeah. unless there's some other reason for them to be around. Unless there's some gain um, f- for him. It, yeah. Unless there's some gain for him, or some gain for them to tolerate him, mm-hmm. which ultimately we kind of see as we go further along. So to me, I, I really like that we just came in like this, because yeah. it, it's it's one of those things where we don't really need backstory, but it's also like, I don't know if there really is much more backstory yeah. than. What else this is who he is? What else you know? do you
0: need to know? But other than that opening scene, you know, what
1: else do you need yeah. to really like know? maybe about? there's something in his childhood or something like that. Because I know with sociopaths, yeah, like, they're I, generally not. They're generally like become sociopaths. <laughs> right. They're not born sociopaths. Yeah, so but it's like when I
0: was researching it, they apparently they had a whole backstory worked out. I don't. I don't I mean, know if it was from the very beginning of the of the filmmaking process or if they yeah. came up with it sort of later, but. They just, you know, it was a it was a conscious decision of, of theirs not to uh, present it in the film at all, which, again, I think mm-hmm. works for this movie uh, very well. Um, mm-hmm. I also enjoy movies that are about antiheroes, uh, yeah. not just movies, any sort of like media. Yeah. Um, uh, someone who's unlikable or unsympathetic, like an unsympathetic uh, narrator in a, in a novel mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, yeah. And again, yeah, like the lack of backstory or lack of any redeeming qualities really is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, this might be just a personal thing. I find him very likable. Like like yeah. as an actor, I just, you know, I find him likable. So, you know, at first it's almost like you want to like him, but really by the end mm-hmm. of the movie, there's just
1: no no way you can really justify if you... Well, I, I think there's a thing with the, with the way they started, and I think a lot of this plays off of our expectations and experience as... Uh, viewers is that when you see someone like that starting off a movie doing something evil but you know that that's your main character mm-hmm. and you know that that's you know an, an actor who in the past we've seen play kind of more emotional roles where he we're rooting for him mm-hmm. it's like I think the the knee-jerk reaction is okay he's like this now but through this journey he goes on he's going to figure it out and be better mm-hmm. and that makes us kind of root for him but at a certain point we start to say oh no like He's not gonna. He's not getting any better. You know, like he, he's yeah, not gonna exactly. have a, a moral awakening. But we're already so deep in it by that point that yeah. we're, it doesn't matter. We're, we're we're just lost in the story.
0: Here it is. So I I actually found the part or when I was doing the research about mentions that mentions a scene. So let me just read this real quick. So. Um, Let's see. Gilroy did not give Lou a character arc as he believed that people develop their ideals at a certain point in their life and that they stay that way regardless of what happens. This is depicted mm-hmm. in the opening scene of the film when Lou attacks a security guard, which informs the audience that Lou is a criminal and not someone who lost his morality as a result of the job. Lou's backstory was purposefully left out of the script as Gilroy felt that without one, the audience would create their own backstories for Lou and become more engaged mm-hmm. with the character. Yeah, so that, that's pretty much what we were discussing there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Not someone who lost his morality as a result of the job. That's important. That's yeah. important. It's you know, because that that shows you that he just is this kind of person. Um, mm-hmm. So
1: It's almost like he spawned. Yeah, like you know? it's it's like mythic Yeah, it gives him this kind of mythic quality, like yeah. he just appeared in a junkyard one yeah, night. Which I like. I think that's went yeah. on the sp- yeah, it's just interesting. It, cool. it, because yeah. I think there's something it's almost like like uh like a patrick bateman kind of thing or something like mm-hmm. that where these characters that almost are like more idea driven mm-hmm. than an individual yeah exactly It's like i'm not saying these people these people don't like a person like luke bloom doesn't exist we know these people exist but i think that he he's almost archetypal in a good mm-hmm. way where he just he kind of represents this this lack of uh human sympathy and empathy yeah and and, and <laughs> he just he just like emerges from the depths of hell to <laughs> yeah. explore contemporary I culture like for a little bit I like that it's yeah. funny
0: like you mentioned uh, american psycho and that's another film we've talked about mm-hmm. on the show and it is very similar mm-hmm. to that and, yeah. and then you know the novel that was based on was about this <laughs> clearly unsympathetic narrator yeah uh mm-hmm. who is also the although maker. in a weird
1: way in a weird way i and i can't believe i'm saying this but i kind of feel for patrick bateman more than i feel for <laughs> For Lou Bloom, because Patrick Bateman, at least, you know, it seems well, like he, he's he, trying he, he to... He kind of cracks at he, the end,
0: I guess, and sort of...
1: Yeah, uh, he, he, it seems like he's kind of trying to fit into something, and that's what makes him a little psychotic. <laughs> yeah. Is like, he's looking for something real. He's a victim of the times, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like he's someone who, who's stuck in something and trying to feel something, mm-hmm. but is so numbed out that he can't. Whereas this yeah, guy, like it's like... Patrick ba- well, pa- Patrick Bateman also has a narration
0: in, the, in that film, Yeah, and he exactly. realizes that he cannot feel, which is something that we can't don't, we don't thing, even... Yeah. With with Lou Bloom, we don't even know if that's a, like a thought yeah. in his mind at all, you know.
1: Um, yeah, like 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 Patrick Bateman's more tragically sociopathic. Mm-hmm. Lou Bloom is just kind of <laughs> that's just his state. Yeah. He it's just how he's a he
0: hard exists. worker. That's who he is. Yeah, he's a hard worker. Who am I? Yeah. I'm a hard worker. So so yeah, yeah. So, I mean just to kind of get into the the story a little bit more. So we have that opening scene, which is very interesting, where he attacks a security guard, and then we go to this the next scene where he's he's uh, essentially not only selling the materials that he's stolen, but also applying for a job at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. And he does not get hired because they don't hire criminals. Um, And this this is what causes him to sort of, you know, he's driving home and passes by an automobile accident, uh, gets out of the car, I guess, just just out of curiosity or because I don't know, he's a psychopath. I'm not really sure. He's intrigued. (laughs) He's intrigued. you know, he senses human suffering. So, he, but he watches these people.
1: Or maybe, or maybe he's like, maybe there'll be a, a spare hubcap Yeah, or that. somewhere that
0: I. Yeah, could, I mean, know, again, like, like we don't know. We don't know why he got out of the. Car. We we
1: know he didn't pull over to help the no, guy. No, we know that
0: for sure. <laughs> you know. um, but he's yeah clearly intrigued, um, and he's intrigued by the camera people that that are filming the scene, the accident scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a line of work that he can get into. Apparently, he sees himself as in that kind of uh, line of work. So. You know, he has a, there is a scene where he's talking to the, the camera person played by Bill Paxton. I forget his character name, but in um, just a little exchange there. And he, he kind of pops up throughout the movie um, as sort of like the veteran Stringer. And uh, now when we say Stringer, we're, we're referring to, uh, what is the actual definition of that? Is it just uh, I like believe, a, a photojournalist okay, right or here. videographer? A stringer maybe?
1: is a freelance journalist, photo, photographer, or videographer mm-hmm. who contributes, reports, photos, at all to a news organization.
0: Okay. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's what Lou, you know, he mm-hmm. sort of discovers this is even a job. And then, you know, it seems like something he can mm-hmm. get into. So he uh, so I like how he actually gets his camera. He
1: <laughs> steals a bike, which makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. To which, which, by the way, just a mm-hmm. quick note, I love how that was done. Yeah, because you just have this shot. I think it's like Venice Beach or something. Uh-huh. And he's just sitting there and a guy rides up on a nice bike <laughs> like, huh. and you just see him look once. And then mm-hmm. we just cut to him riding the bike yep. around yep. A, a pawn shop. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's because that could have been a whole sequence. This, and yeah, b- but we don't need to see how Lou does things. Exactly. This film is very, we just need to know that he does it. It's yeah. very
0: economical. I felt like it was, yeah. you know, it's, it's not like, it's sort of like on the longer side, not too long, but it's, it's, um, it, it, it goes by, two hours. yeah, it goes by at yeah. a rapid pace, you know, because yeah everything you're seeing is with, like what you need to see
1: sort of yeah well i think uh, with a scene like that it perfectly encapsulates how the film and the filmic language is a is a representation of lou mm-hmm. because it's like yeah it's true i think you know i, I think to see lou doing it and taking the bike we would need to see some kind of nerves or something like that or some kind of consideration you know if, if we were dealing with a more human character mm. you know we would see that oh, is this wrong? There, You know, but I need to do it. Yeah. And with Lou, it's just like, <laughs> we don't need to see him do it's it like, because it doesn't matter. It's like an he afterthought. Just does it. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't yeah. even matter to him. It's like, oh, there's a bike. I'm going to yeah. take the bike. Need, there's no, I there's no bike. consideration. Yeah, I need a bike. Yeah, you know, that's, that's how I'm going to yeah. get
0: it. Uh, yeah. So he steals the bike and we, again, we don't know how. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And he pawns it for a camera and that's how he ends up, you know, starting to take his camera around and he starts trying to find... So I, I think at this point he gets a... The police scanner, right? So he can hear. He 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 pawns the
1: bike for. a camera Oh, I'm sorry. And a yeah, for scanner. a camera yeah. and a
0: police scanner. So he starts to listen to the the radio and 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 hear um, when there's some, some sort of crime scene or, or accident, and um, there's a carjacking, and that's the first piece of footage that he gets, that he starts to film, and um, and he brings it to a news program, and that's where we meet the morning news director Nina, uh, played by Rene Russo. Um, who isn't in like enough things? Like I think I don't know. I like her. Yeah, she, I mean, she's, she's terrific in yeah, this. Yeah, she's really yeah. good in this. I think she's also I'm trying to think. I, I
1: know I've seen her in other things, but Major League. That's <laughs> yeah, the one like that no, is. She's nothing in Major League. Yeah,
0: nothing recent though. That's the thing. Like, um, well, at least that in, in my memory. But um, apparently she's also yeah. the director's wife, I believe.
1: Um, okay. I th- yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just looking. She was in uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, okay. Which was a Another movie that Nan yeah. Did. Right.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. and but yeah, she's really good in this role, and so she plays. Uh, the morning news director and they have an interesting relationship uh, we'll get into that in a little bit um, but mm-hmm. yes yeah, so that's where it starts and he sells this footage to to the news team and that starts their working relationship uh, where he's you know filming this really up close and personal footage of these of these scenes and and selling it to the the news program um, so he eventually hires someone to help him um, mm-hmm. and I want to Mention who it is because I I think he's really good in this role as well, all around. Yeah, Riz Ahmed plays the. Yeah, Riz Ahmed. um, He plays Mm -hmm. Rick. Is is um, so it's it's who uh, Lou hires on to help him and sort of be his I guess his second cameraman, Uh, and uh, yeah, when he's interviewing. Rick, it just reminds me of like ever, you know, I don't I don't know what kind of uh, job interviews you've been on, but sometimes mm-hmm. you, you'll you meet someone and you just like this person is playing themselves up like they learned they yeah. learned how to sell themselves like uh, mm-hmm. or fake it till you make it. You know, um, yeah. I've been on interviews where I've, I've just had those thoughts in my head. So that's what it r- mm-hmm. reminded me of that scene in the in the diner when uh, Lou is is interviewing Rick and, you mm-hmm. know, he's just like he's he has I think he's maybe just sold like his first video to the news team or whatever and he's like yeah we film breaking stories uh what's her name video
1: production news <laughs> I, video production I love that news, name which is so funny <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so funny because so lou is it, what i love about lou and you know jumping jumping around but i think it's about this point in the movie but there's a thing where he mentions that he read something on the internet yeah you know, i read like, something like, on it, the it seems internet. like <laughs> yeah. i read something like he's always on the oh internet and it, it's it kind of seems like i'm always on he, the computer because he just yeah. yeah he just doesn't understand how actual human beings <laughs> interact so everything he does yeah. is um, is derived from what you're supposed to do. Exactly. Like if you were, if you were to look up how to how to have a business conversation, mm-hmm. yeah. on the internet, it's like he just memorized. Yeah, like that. he
0: read a book or read yeah, he read, yeah something it, it's, online. It's all
1: it's all it's all derived. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it, it he nev- he doesn't have any original. Yeah, like, I mean, he has original ideas, but it it they're seems all like they're from... all they're all derived from yeah, kind of a calculated, mm-hmm. um calculated path that he's planned out for himself yeah so you see he, he doesn't operate on feeling
0: yeah and it's like sort of that psychopathic mentality where i mean look selling yourself you know more than you are is not like an absurd com- concept it's mm-hmm. perfectly you know normal thing to do but just the way that lou does it and, and just you know it, the way he talks about it it's almost like does he know that he's not established or anything you know what i mean like the way he's talking about it is just like this is who we are this is what we do it is you know
1: if you want to work for yeah. me you got to do this so so well, I think it's the thing where he, he, he doesn't understand people yeah. on a human level, but he understands motivation. Because um, yeah. I, I, I remember an experience I had where it was like right when I was out of college, I was just looking for a job and just looking to pick up some freelance work. And I, I had a friend who, who I had gone to school with who was like, yeah, like I'm going to this thing and it's like a, like a business, people's, business person meet up and there might be some freelance opportunities and stuff. And I went and it was this like it was at a hotel like a holiday inn or something. And it was very clearly within two minutes of getting there, I realized the big pyramid scheme. And mm. I was like, all right, like, I've done, that I don't before. want anything to do with, like, I'm like, I don't want anything that. to do with this, but, yeah. but I'll, I'll sit through it and kind of see like, you know, maybe there'll be something interesting I can write into a screenplay or something. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. And, 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 and the <laughs> way, right. the way that, the way that Lou talked throughout this movie kind of reminded me of, of like a lot of the people I met there, where it was this, mm. this thing where it was, you know, maybe people who, they, they kind of recognize that there's a certain desperation yeah. and that by coming across really business like and really I've been there and done that and this is how you yeah. can get to where I am um, they, they like can that is, maybe it's that,
0: that psychopathic quality of like conveying yeah. yourself in one way you know when you're really not yeah. Which it doesn't, and it doesn't have
1: to be a psychopath yeah, doing it I, but I, I think there's a certain thing where there are some people who will see vulnerability mm-hmm. and they'll say alright I'm going to you know try to help this person and give them a little you know, push or, or give them some advice, and there's also some people who will see vulnerability and say, "I can yeah. use this to my advantage." There, there's a way and I think to that,
0: do it and still be humane. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: and I think that that's the thing with with Lou. He sees in in his the character's name was Rick, yeah. right? He sees he sees in Rick a guy who just needs an opportunity. He
0: sees vulnerability for sure. Yeah,
1: he sees vulnerability. He sees a guy who's in a tight situation. Yeah, Rick. And it's sort of realizes.
0: A, sorry, not to step on your thoughts or I was, I was just gonna say rick is a very he's sort of like a sad character to me um yeah
1: he, he just see i mean he seems like, like seems like he's like kind of where i was at like coming out of college yeah. or something like that like a young guy who just you know i mean they don't say how old he is but a young guy who you know is maybe just hit a point in his life once again we don't get his backstory either. is he homeless um, or just like i i don't know if he i mean if he's homeless i think he did at one point say i've been living in a garage okay um, so I don't know if he's homeless, but it seems like, you know, if I were to invent a backstory, it seems like maybe he's a guy who was a little listless and maybe his parents finally gave him the boot mm-hmm. and said, go figure it out on your own. And he's like living with a friend or something like that. Yeah. And so, you know, he's, but he's clearly someone who's at a point in his life where he's like, I need to do something with myself, mm-hmm. um, if anything, just to survive yeah. in a better way than I am right well, now. Because <laughs>
0: Lou tries to sell sell the position as an internship right and then yeah so he's not and, gonna pay he's him like, like man i need something like give me something yeah and he gives him 30 dollars a night $30. which
1: i mean is negligible right. that's like but he's so he's I so mean, i remember
0: like he, rick's so excited when he tells him that like so happy like oh thank you like he's yeah, so think, appreciative yeah. you know? With,
1: not that you know not that it's the worst thing in the world yeah. if you're just trying to get your first job yeah. and you're a little bit of a, a drifter, $30 a night isn't it's terrible. Yeah. But for the kind of work he's doing, yeah. for the situations he's putting himself in, mm-hmm. it's like that's, that alone is a little psychotic. But once again, it goes back to a guy who is just in need of something, yeah. you know, in need of money. And, and Lou recognizes that and mm-hmm. immediately takes advantage. Yeah,
0: it's an interesting counter character to Lou, I think. Mm-hmm. And the dynamic between them is interesting. And apparently when they had aud- auditioned for this role of Rick... Um, the filmmakers got a lot of people who played the character sort of like a, like a stoner character, you know, more yeah. like almost more for comedy. Um, but mm-hmm. they said that Riz Ahmed, when he came in, he he played it so sad uh, yeah. that that they just like, all right, this is an interesting take. It's, it's more like an abusive relationship uh, between mm-hmm. Lou and Rick. So um yeah that's interesting it does dynamic. seem like it
1: does seem like even kind of from the beginning he, he, you don't get the sense that rick is the brightest bulb on the mm-hmm. tree but it does seem like he kind of gets that like it's not the best situation yeah
0: he's like there's something shady going on here but
1: yeah like like pretty much the whole like there's not really any point in the film where rick is just like i'm just gonna go along with what this guy says mm-hmm. you know it, it i think it just is kind of that thing where he's like ah oh, shit i i need this opportunity i'm screwed if i don't have this opportunity yeah and it's not ideal but i'm gonna ride it out mm-hmm. but he's constantly pushing back like like whenever yeah. lou is telling him to do some crazy shit that's Rick true. is constantly you know mm-hmm. he, even with the directions yeah, yeah, and yeah. things like that yeah 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 what did I, yeah yeah he's he's just constantly pushing back um mm-hmm. so i don't know i think that's what it's that like that sadness of, which ultimately you know
0: leads to his demise unfortunately uh, but yeah but well yeah we'll definitely get to that mm-hmm. um so yeah so interesting character there and dynamic and um there's a couple other scenes I just wanted to hit on because I, I found them interesting. Well, first of all, there's the shooting scene with the home invasion, or what we mm-hmm. what we believe to be a home invasion, uh, at this point, uh, of a family that's that gets shot um, and murdered in their own home. And there's a very creepy scene here. And this this you know since we're talking about horror uh, in this series, I want to at least mention this scene where Lou is he starts filming from outside the house, and it's sort of like this this house with a lot of glass windows you know it's like all the walls are, are glass so you can see mm-hmm. through and he's filming it and then he, he goes inside uh, and he starts walking around the house um, or actually I'm sorry well this happens this actually does happen earlier I want to mention there's a scene earlier where he does go inside a house and he's he mm-hmm. rearranges the photos on the fridge um, I yeah. think this is also a shooting but the family is I think dead at this point and he rearranges the the photos of the family on the fridge perfectly. Uh, to align it with these bullet holes that he sees, yeah. um, so he's breaking in to do this essentially, and um, so that's the first uh, inclination that we see f- for him to do this. And then we do see a scene later on where he, um, where he actually goes into the house and and right after a murder and is actually walking around the whole house. There's also like a, a baby's nursery. Luckily, the baby's not in there, but he goes yeah. into the baby's nursery. So yeah, just like these, you know, there are like. Scenes in this movie that are are pretty horrific and and sort of creepy of of him, of the character Lou, kind of uh, doing these sorts of things. Uh, Yeah, so that's all I just
1: wanted to mention because I I thought it was that I feel like that scene in a weird way, because, you know, you talk about like the save the cat moment. Yeah. And I feel like that scene in a weird way was that for him. Mm-hmm. not that he wouldn't have filmed it if there was a baby in there oh he told not yeah be, yeah but somehow they're not <laughs> that being was more a, 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 in a made,
0: for the audience i think than anything
1: yeah like like somehow they're not being a baby in there made it seem like it's like what he did wasn't as evil yeah even though it clearly but like he was, totally would have you know? yeah for sure yeah um, he would have but by by yeah. him by him not having done that we were still <laughs> that, a, a, enough on board i with felt him. like
0: that was basically the filmmakers being like okay we don't, need to sh- like, we don't need to go that far, but we know you, you yep. know and we know what he would do. Um, he, he would have done mm, it, yeah, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, and there's also a, a little moment I wanted to talk about. It's just a very brief part. It's not even a, a scene. It's just the ending of a scene. But it's after a scene where Lou's talking with Nina in the newsroom, and there's a, just a little moment where she, I think she walks away or something, and Lou goes and just sits down at the news anchor desk and kind of mm. just looks at the camera. And I just, yeah. I don't know, I just, find, and again, creepy, right? It's just like, I don't know. It it just gives you, like, that kind of feeling. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what you know, what where does he, you know, and again, you don't know his thoughts, you don't know his backstory, so it's like, you know, is it just, like, that image of himself on the camera that he sees, or is there something besides that? I mean, you really don't know what's going on in his head
1: yeah. uh, at that moment. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, because he's, he's a little bit of a contradiction, in a way, mm-hmm. um, because... He clearly has a very big ego. Yeah. Oh, you for know, sure. You know, it's clearly all about him. But there's the part where they're talking, he doesn't want to be a news anchor. He doesn't want to be in front of the camera. Yeah. Like, his ego is that he wants to be behind the scenes controlling everything. Like, controlling um, everything. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Which which is kind of, it's kind of a really interesting character detail. It is. Because, so, you know, so much, you see so many things about, like, sociopathic people in entertainment. And in this case, I'm talking, you know, mm. I think news is presented as entertainment. hmm um, oh, yeah. and so you, you see so many pe- so, so mo- movies and hear so many stories about sociopathic people in entertainment, but it's always like, they want to be the star, you know, yeah. they always want to be the person. And it's like, he doesn't really have a desire to be the star that everyone knows about. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he ha- his ego is, he wants to be the star that like he wants to be like the shadow star, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, which, which we'll get me. into later cause, because there, there's some, the, the idea of shadow and darkness, I think is, is essential to talk about. Yeah. Um, but but it is interesting just in, in terms of um, it, his his character that he he sits at the news desk, it, but it's almost like that's it's the it's more about I've made it to be able being able to sit yeah, here than yeah. this is where I'm picturing exactly.
0: myself. Exactly, it's like I'm here. Like look at where I am. Um, yeah. And it's a rare quiet. C- it's a rare like scene with no dialogue. You know, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of dialogue in the film and very, very good dialogue. But um, I, I thought it was interesting. They kind of just took this moment. I think it may have even been. Like an improvisation on the set or something like that, maybe but it's yeah. you know it's one of those moments I think kind of makes the movie in a way it just is just having that quiet moment there with him and it's like when he's looking mm-hmm. at himself in the monitor what does he see you know like what is he thinking yeah um so I find that interesting and then there's a very interesting date scene I'm gonna call it date in quotes there mm-hmm. uh, yeah. where
1: <laughs> <laughs> Lou which I date date <laughs> date for one business meeting for the other yeah
0: another scene I had forgotten about because um, when I think back on the movie I don't think of I mostly just think of him with the camera, but there is this very interesting scene where Lou goes on what what is sort of like a work date or just, you know, just sort of like a meeting between mm-hmm. two people um, with Nina, uh, the the news director. And, you know, the scene starts off innocently enough. And then within what, like a couple minutes, he's basically, uh, I guess he's essentially blackmailing yeah. her to have sex with him or hold take his services elsewhere it's kind of what he's laying out with for her Mm -hmm. and again now they don't explicitly show anything like physical between them but you you get the idea that that's you know that she went through with it what happened yeah Yeah. so
1: it's like now nina is also a victim in you know in his in his wake uh it's also interesting that that relationship is really fascinating to me because the thing i kept thinking about is like why nina mm -hmm. you know because it's you know it, it, yeah why it, I mean obviously yeah. Ren, Rene Russo is a beautiful woman, yeah. um, but like there's the whole thing like she's much older than him, mm-hmm. you know she's kind of established she has a career it's not like it's not like she was like the low hanging fruit who's kind of flirting with him yeah. or like there was none of that she was very clearly just like a professional presence in his life yeah. the entire time uh, and so it's like I wonder wonder what the thing driving that is it just like she's the only woman who's talking to him I don't him? know I, you know, it, I think like,
0: well I think it's because she. She can see she gives him compliments early
1: on and she kind of can see that yeah. he's good at what he does. And like like it almost goes back to that kind of robotic thing of like, this is a woman who says nice things about me. Mm-hmm. I've impressed her with my skills. <laughs> now and so she should be my girlfriend. Yes, together. Yeah, it's like um, <laughs> it's such a it's such a weird thing cause, you know, it, it, it's like once again that thing that you see a lot of like egotistical men in the story i feel like is always oh they're going like like it was it, it, traditionally you would see him going for the news anchor. exactly that's what i was gonna like say that. like you're, you yeah can, like, like he's gonna go for the the, the woman uh-huh. who culturally everyone else is pining the after. but one on camera but that's not who he goes yeah for. and it is and
0: almost it, like nina is looking at him like like why are you, yeah like why are you going for me like yeah it's almost like she's wondering this, the same thing like why you're not going for the news anchor like um and yeah. i think part of her like is flattered by that and i think that's why she even mm-hmm. entertains his advances at first um, obviously yeah. it kind of becomes more about career you know threat like threatening her career and and um, and she's scared she's a character who's like very scared I think um, of like mm-hmm. what's going to happen I think that that's why she's so ruthless in the film is like you know with with even the, the footage that she presents that Ru- Lou records mm-hmm. I think um, you know it just shows how desperate she sort of is and also just you know uh, to get into it <laughs> not to get into a whole thing about like TV news and 24-hour news and all that but like clearly it is a show and as you said jeremy like it's, yep. it's all for entertainment really at the end of the day um and she knows that and she's you can tell she's been in the business a while and she's trying to make it work you know she's trying to stay alive mm-hmm. um and lou is kind of her her ticket to that kind of her key yeah and um he knows it <laughs> uh and yep. he totally calls her out on it
1: and uh yeah uses it to his it's interesting advantage. with her i feel like I feel like with her, it's it's an interesting thing too because I know that you know, obviously in the interviews you read and everything, they didn't want to have this kind of character arc. Uh, they didn't want Lou to have the character arc. But it's interesting because in a way, everyone around Lou has mm-hmm. the interesting the, the character arc, and they're all just kind of darkened by his presence because Rick, obviously by the end, is negotiating. Which mm-hmm. in the beginning we, we, we see him negotiate a little bit because he's like I need to get paid. But as soon as an offer is made to him, which is just like a bullshit offer, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, as, as soon as he got the littlest bit, and then later on, you know, it's like uh, when he gets a raise, he he's about to say I want a hundred dollars a night, and then he says seventy-five because he's scared. But as soon as like a line gets crossed. Rick all of a sudden is like really negotiating and you see some of Lou in him. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing uh, with Nina where at a certain point she goes from someone, it's like, it's almost like these people who are behaving in a kind of downtrodden way because of their circumstances after yeah. a little while around Lou start incorporating some of his evil because they realize that it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. So, so it's like, it, mm-hmm. it's interesting because it's not, a, and I think that it, the, the minor characters in this film, which isn't always the case are part of what makes it so compelling. Cause I think mm-hmm. if it was just Lou, and we didn't see anyone else change. We just see Lou mm-hmm. leaving this path of destruction and everyone else gets, like, hurt by it mm-hmm. constantly. It wouldn't be compelling, but the fact that he is actually making an impact in other people's lives, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a positive impact in a human level, but, like, Nina's career is doing better by the mm-hmm. end because of Lou. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a um, success story. Um, yeah, yeah. It is. How, like, ultimately... Yeah. Yeah.
0: hear a success story, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting to see how different characters react to Lou uh, yeah. and things like that. I mean, I think that's a big part of the dynamic of the, of the film. Though so I
1: do wonder and I, I know we're jumping, I think at this point we've, we've probably covered enough of the plot because yeah. you know, once again, as, as, as always on this show we, we recommend watching, watching the movie, the movie first sure. yeah. because we, we it's, it's a discussion podcast and we're not trying to avoid spoilers. Um, but I, I do wonder because you, you just mentioned to jump to the ending if it's, you mentioned it being a success story and I I was I was going back and forth on that, which I think the I, and I kind of forgotten that that was the ending. Um, in Me my too, i forgotten as well. I, I think in my mind, I for some reason remembered it ending basically with him recording his uh, recording Rick on the ground. I, I had forgotten everything that came after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I was at, right after it finished, I found myself thinking about if it was a success story or not for Lou, mm-hmm. because on the one hand it it appears to be on the surface. On the other hand, I was like, he's definitely gonna get in trouble. Sooner rather than well, later. So let's the state. Just so
0: like everyone's on the same page. Let's uh, and again we don't really discuss narrative like the plot so much, but mm-hmm. I do want to you know particular scenes. I think we should at least explain like the ending scene. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, so. I'm jumping. Well, yeah. no, just because um, yeah, it is so so important, and uh, everything that we're going to talk about after a while is probably going to involve it. So um, so ultimately the police start to become wise to what's going on and. And, and me personally, when I was watching Lou's footage, I'm like, this is really graphic. Like, you know, th- there's yeah. something, you know, and, and, and also the fact that he's going into a house literally before the blood has even dried and is filming yeah. in there. You know, so I, I figured something was going to happen. And eventually mm-hmm. the police, like these uh, detectives, start to investigate Lou and what's going on. And, you know, they want to see his footage and things like that. Um, and Lou starts to, I, I guess, uh, you know, he, he's still holding things from them, but he tra- starts to track. The, the perpetrators of the home invasion. And he, um, so him, along with Rick, go and sort of follow them around. And then uh, mm-hmm. they call, uh, Lou calls the cops on them when they're in like this diner. And they, um, the you know, c- kind of fully knowing what's going to happen. And yeah. the police there's
1: He mentions that they're armed. like Yeah, he mentions that they're armed.
0: War. Yeah, he knows what's going to happen. And Rick knows, kind of looking at him, like knows what he's doing. And he's kind yeah. of like, what are you doing? Um, and this is after mm-hmm. he gives... <laughs> After he gives Rick a raise,
1: of course, and yeah. a promotion. Um, but, but it is funny because, you know, with Rick there, that is his opportunity to get and out. It is. But like you said,
0: he's so far in now. And I think he's, yeah. I don't know, part, I think part of characters like Lou because, of, because he, it seems like he is a character who gets what he wants. And I think that comes across.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. People don't. Well, I guess Lou, Lou did kind of threaten him. Too. Also that, yeah. He did threaten but but it's yeah. still, it's like, he easily, you feel like, like as far as we know, Lou isn't carrying a gun around mm-hmm. or anything. Like, our he guy does, very easily could have gotten out of the yeah, car. Yeah, but you're, you're you right.
0: Know? Lou does threaten violence against Rick. I remember that uh, in that yeah. scene. Um, so he's kind of like, you're going to, or I forget if it's that scene or before it, but he's kind of like, you're going to get the shot, you know? Like, he's just telling him, you're going to do yeah. it. Um, so anyway, so the ending of the film is essentially that... Um, they, you know, there's this big, when the police arrive at the diner where the perpetrators are of the home invasion, they, there's this big shootout and the car chase and all of that. And, um, and the, and it ends with a big accident and the, the, the police are in the accident and there's, and the perpetrators are, uh, you know, essentially, I think one of them's dead after the accident. And one of them, well, one mm-hmm. of them we think is dead because yeah. Lou tells Rick that he's dead. Like, he's dead. Get the mm-hmm. shot. Um, so he's Rick, you know, just unknowingly starts filming, and he walks up to the car, and the perpetrator is still alive, and he pulls out his gun and shoots Rick, and Rick dies. Well, he's dying at this point. Um, so Lou not only films the ensuing police shootout, where which ends with the perpetrator dying, but also films Rick himself. And Rick, like, you know, he's still alive at this point. And he's kind of dying. He says, like, you saw him, like, meaning he knew... That that yeah, the guy was yeah. still alive, uh so yeah, very, a, a very heavy scene, and I I had forgotten about it, and it, but it's like the perfect ending, really. Um, to how else mm. could it have gone, really? When you think back on it, you yeah. know, from that yeah. again, from that very first scene, where Lou steals the, where he beats up the security guard and steals the watch. Um, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's just like, that's why it, it's a it's a surprising scene, but you understand that it. Of course, he would do this. You know, of course this would happen. Yeah. Um because Lou is a character who is all he's only about getting what he wants and uh you know, he doesn't he doesn't let morals get in the way or friendship or anything like that. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty pretty heavy But, w- Sorry, what did you want to say about the um I guess did you want to say something about the 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 death of Rick or something about the scene in particular?
1: Um I don't know yeah just just looking at like Rick and how he, he did kind of have an opportunity to get out of there mm-hmm. um but I don't know I'm just I'm just it's kind of a new thought that's popping into my head now but it does feel like um the idea of 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 Lou being a thief um and, and thinking about it because because it does seem like it, it, he's kind of stealing Rick's image at the end he's kind of manufactured it and is stealing it and going back to the very beginning with him stealing the watch I'm just kind of noticing mm. Oh that's I don't know, interesting. I guess I didn't yeah i didn't think I didn't think of it as the idea of, of Lou being a, a thief, but but as' am really thinking of it now and kind of going through it it does you know there, there's this idea of a camera mm-hmm. that I know in some cultures they talk about like a camera being a thing that steals your soul mm-hmm. and it, it it's, it's interesting because the idea of, of I don't know just just Lou as a thief um, how he's essentially taking people's tragedy and mm-hmm. turning that into his product mm-hmm. um, you know it, it's like. I mean, it's all earned, you know. You, you can't—the one thing you can't say about him is that he doesn't work hard, you know. Like, like he—he—he—he he is, he is earning it all, but he's—he's uh-huh. he's stealing. It's—it's it's mm-hmm. this weird thing where it's like he—he's—he's he's almost the—I don't know. I, he, and then he chastises
0: uh Rick for, for negotiating his uh salary. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that, that, well, it's—it's it's almost that it's thing. Like, it's man, like Really, uh, when I
0: do it, really kick a man when he's down. Yeah. It's like
1: yeah, and I mean, there's all kinds of all kinds of parallels you could draw uh-huh. to without getting too much into it between like. You know Lou and the idea of, uh, of, of uh, capitalism, uh, uh, capitalism, yeah, capitalism and capital like large corporate entities, mm-hmm. especially with the language he uses. Well, it's like it's like it's
0: like go for it, you know, like, you know, get the job you want and make make all the money you yeah. can, but like, hey, how dare you try to negotiate your salary? With yeah, them? yeah, like,
1: like Lou, Lou almost talks like a, a, an HR department. <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, he what does I and mean? like an that HR scene, right, for sure. a huge company, yeah. where it's like he's very encouraging when you're helping mm-hmm. them. But the minute you do something against the company, mm-hmm. even if it's exactly what the company is You're doing, you have crossed a line, yeah. and you have to be terminated. You have to be terminated, or terminated. you yeah. know, you have to be terminated. Yeah. And and I think that like that's, I, yeah, because because that's the thing. It's like it's tough because I I on on the one hand I do know there are people like Lou out there with that level of sociopathy, but it's like the the just how dense he is mm. is like that that to me is what kind of makes it feel like yeah. it's it's digging at this kind of bigger metaphor of you know how how labor is exploited. Mm-hmm. And how the kind of the common person yeah. um, is exploited. And at the end, oh, he he's, is he's a corporate entity. Totally. He's a company. And he's
0: completely exploited. Yeah. yeah, it's like the footage of him dying. And yeah, yeah. Uh, just as, mo- as, as much exploited as a person can be, I guess, at that point. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. rough. Uh, and then you have a scene after that, which it's sort of, um, I don't know, taking TV news to task a little bit uh, when Nina is told the reality of the home invasion. So not only has, you know, throughout the movie, she's been watching this entirely graphic footage and being like, put that on the air, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, do Yeah, you know, there's been someone in the background kind of telling her, uh, Nino, I don't think we should do that. Yeah. But no, at this point, this guy... But no one stops no her, because st-
1: they all also know that they're going to yeah. lose their jobs if, you know... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it's
0: like, we do this or we, yeah, we fail. So, um, so she, you know, is constantly doing this throughout the movie, and the last scene with her is... is um that same person telling her that the home invasion or what they thought was a home invasion was actually drug related and Mm -hmm. that the the homeowners had the stash of cocaine or whatever it was drugs in the house and she just goes uh no we're not going to report that we're going to stick with our narrative uh that it was urban Mm -hmm. crime encroaching on suburban life you know that's Mm -hmm. her that's her focus that she tells Lou that in her first scene uh that that's what their news channels after that's what she's after i guess as a news director mm-hmm. um and yeah. I, I just found that really like you know it's kind of like a little jab there at um you know and and you could look at the whole movie that way really and sort of mm-hmm. like this critique on uh not only on these sort of sociopathic people but also just the news cycle in general and uh news media which we could get into a whole episode about but um yeah so mm-hmm. i you know I, I like that little touch there that little detail and uh yeah so this is basically the end of the movie here where um you know he's he negotiates a price sells his footage and mm-hmm. and basically there's a <laughs> there's also an interrogation scene uh with with yeah. lou which is very interesting but i won't get into it because that's going to take you more time mm-hmm. but uh but he does proceed to lie about everything of course and yeah. um so i i do want to ask you jeremy this there's a shot when he comes out of the interrogation is that the only mm-hmm. shot during the day
1: Wait. What, that, oh no, so I'm the, sorry. If, there
0: i a. There, I'm just remembering now. There is a. There, there are a few yeah.
1: shots during the day, but I, I think that's one of the only shots where he's in sunlight. Yeah. Like I think if there's all, most of the shots during the day. Like was a quick shot are, of him on the
0: beach earlier, but yeah. yeah.
1: Which 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 is actually a perfect a perfect transition to start talking about why, uh, why we selected this as part of our not horror horror series, <laughs> um, because we haven't really gotten into that too yeah. much yet. Um, but so so there are a couple things I noticed about that shot because once again that was a shot I did not remember. Oh, that scene that really struck me. So a couple things he, with so that So yeah, he puts one, on his
0: sunglasses and just like
1: walks away down the street, right? Yeah. yeah. So one thing with that scene that I noticed is he's still in the shadows the whole time. Mm, okay. Um that it was a really subtle thing I noticed, but he's yeah. like he's out in this like maybe right when he puts the sunglasses on, but when you see him walking away, there's like a massive shadow mm-hmm. and it's like that to me that's a choice that you don't have him crossing over into the sunlight. Wow. Even when it's daytime I didn't even notice he's still in that. the yeah, dark. That's good. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a really nice little touch mm-hmm. which you know, knowing Dan dark. Gilroy as a filmmaker, and also um, and also he puts also, on the sunglasses uh, too, right? So he stay- yeah, and also just want to note, uh, the Robert Elswit, the cinematographer, yeah. who also shot most of Paul Thomas Anderson yeah, movies. Yeah, very good. So I have no doubt that he was making some really <laughs> oh, yeah. significant character choices with the, mm-hmm. the lighting and, and framing. Um, but but also that that sunglasses moment really kind of struck a chord for me in terms of this as a horror movie. And the reason is, I it, it struck me that uh, that that our, our main character, Lou here, is essentially a vampire. And, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of really, like it, like the parallel between him and, and vampirism really struck me there. And that's why I think this resonates as a piece of horror, because it's like, you look at it and it's someone who thrives and lives off of blood. Mm-hmm. And he can only come out at night. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and like there, there's those, those real, he literally at yeah. one point, they say he works the vampire yep. shift. He has to keep it dark. And it's like, yeah, yeah he has to, and, it, and the movie has night crawl And it's just night this crawling, idea yeah. of, like, I think looking at this as a monster movie is a really interesting way to examine it because, you know, obviously he's not, you know, he doesn't have scales or, you know, he's not a Frankenstein or anything like that. But the idea of, of him as a ruthless monster who feeds on the blood of innocent victims mm-hmm. is is really, you know... Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I think it makes a lot of
0: sense. It's horrific. <laughs> it's horrific. And, yeah. and it really is a success story because the movie ends with, Lou now leading a whole team of video production yeah. news <laughs> well, and, it, <laughs> and they it, all to, drive to away the, va- the vampire. Yeah.
1: To go to the vampire metaphor, that's everyone he bites. Exactly. Everyone like they're all infected turns into a vampire. It. Yeah, you know? exactly. And if you look at everyone, he comes in contact with Nina, Rick, he, once they get bitten by the Lou bug, you know, once, yeah. once, once he bites them, they start becoming that, you know, they, yeah. they, 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 they become darker. They, they become more creatures of the night.
0: Yeah. And then he has this whole production team and they all drive away into the mm-hmm. night, their first night on the job. So, yeah, it's a success story.
1: <laughs> although although I, I still stand by the idea that I give it like six months before he ends up in jail. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's, just, he, it's only a matter of time, like, you know, because it's very obvious, at least to me, that the detectives are
0: pretty on to, on to him at
1: this point. Like they know. Yeah. They know something. Yeah, he, 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 yeah. he, he's very calculated, but he's also very reckless. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like it's I just mean, so it, it's a it's a success story, but I, I don't know if it's a happy ending for Lou Bloom. As far as we know I don't think there is, it. yeah, I don't think there is a happy ending for Lou Bloom. Eventually, it might not be right away, but yeah. eventually, he's going to do something, you know. And and it just it, it's funny because eventually, what's going to happen, I think, is Lou Bloom is going to bump up against a bigger, more powerful Lou Bloom, <laughs> yeah. you know, like like yeah. someone, you know, mm-hmm. like like th- there's no way the person running the news channel is any less sociopathic than lou blue you know (laughs) it's like like that and eventually he's got he's going to try to screw the wrong person and i could see that crumbling down
0: yeah in the end he gets swallowed up yeah i could see that yeah Um, because you
1: know lou Lou, ultimately he start he started as a no one mm -hmm. but you have people with the same kind of attitude and philosophy as lou who start with a lot of money and a lot of you know connections Mm -hmm. and it's like those are the people who can get themselves to a position that they can't get knocked down from. Mm-hmm. It's like Lou. Probably someone's going to get to him eventually. Yeah, you know, for sure. Um,
0: so yeah, that's that's Nightcrawler. Um, directed and written by Dan Gilroy, and as you mentioned in the beginning of the show, his directorial debut. Uh, yep. So yeah, written and directed by him, um, and you know, I think it's a great script. Um, I, I could see like someone reading the script and, and you know being kind of blown away by it. Um, yeah. and as you mentioned, the cinematographer, um,
1: Robert, Robert Elswit. Yeah. If Robert, anyone, Robert you know, Elswit. Yeah. He, he's, he's by far my favorite cinematographer. Oh yeah. All time. He's, I'm, I'm totally obsessed. Yeah. He's
0: yeah. great. Um, yeah. and so, you know, and, and as we mentioned, like all the performances in the movies in the, in this film are, are very good, but it's really like at the end of the day, like it really is Jake Gyllenhaal. I feel like in my opinion, at least, mm-hmm. uh, who makes the film really something to watch. Like it's just every scene, it's just him, you know. You just kind of, you you kind of captivated by him. He's, his, uh, his and his performance is so central to the film itself uh, that it's almost like they're one and the same. Like, it, it, you know, I feel like his performance it just really conveys what they were going for with the film. And, uh, and apparently, Jake Gyllenhaal he was very dedicated to the role and, and just I guess very, I don't know if he was just very interested in the idea of it or or what, but he was very involved with like the casting and things like that. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of things you can read online of, like, you know, you, you you read about method actors and things like that. And he did a lot of things, like he lost a, a ton of weight for the film. Yeah. I think he just ate, like, kale salads and chewing gum or something like that. Uh, yeah. You know, very, which very seems, extreme. But... Which
1: is funny because I definitely could see Lou, yeah. like, reading <laughs> was online say. that kale is the healthiest <laughs> that you can eat and just eating kale. First. I was going to say, it's,
0: it's very extreme, but then so is... So is Lou, like like what what is a
1: healthy diet to be an effective human being? Is the Google search. (laughs)
0: But he also so there's a I mean there's a reason for for it. He wanted to give the character of Lou Lou Bloom this sort of like animalistic kind of a. They compared him a lot to Coyote. Sort yeah. of seeking prey, you know, kind of stalking around the streets of LA. And stuff. Well, I,
1: I noticed that throughout the whole movie, and, and maybe this is just Jake Dylan Hall, and I've never noticed it before. But you know, knowing how, how hard he worked on this character, that Lou always has his head kind of sticked out, sticking out forward <laughs> in a kind of weird yeah, way, like animalistic. Like, like his sort posture, of. Yeah. his posture is kind of like it just feels like he's always straining a little bit, almost like he's like listening. <laughs> Um, you know, so I <laughs> like don't know. Maybe, in the air maybe, for prey, yeah, yeah. So you know, I could, I could be, I could be kind of making <laughs> yeah. that up. in Jake Hall maybe just his head just sits a little further forward, or <laughs> yeah. or I just imagine the <laughs> no, whole thing. No, I feel and like that totally is normal. something. No, because but, I, but it, yeah. It, yeah, I feel like it, there's something. There's something. I've seen Jake Hall enough other yeah, stuff. where exactly. There's something in his posture in this that he was clearly yeah. doing. Um, oh, for sure. Like he was like you,
0: you could yeah. tell he was super into the role, and he also. Yeah. He also apparently—I mean, I'm sure actors memorize scripts—but he's uh, apparently he memorized it like a play, like he just had like every every yeah. beat down, and yeah. So so yeah. he was he was definitely invested in it and was very involved with mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to talk about you know mentioning the coyote and the animal sort of motif. Um, that also the, now that I think about it, the film Collateral had some of that. You ever see the film uh, Collateral with Tom Cruise cool. and? Uh, Jenny, no, Jamie I've, been, I've been wanting to. I've been on. I've been on a big Michael yeah. Mann kick lately, and that that was yeah. on my watch that's, list, but That's I one to watch, yeah. And there is there's okay, a lot I'll of I'll imagery. I, I think they even have like a coyote stalking around the okay. streets of L.A. So it's sort of you know it's sort of like hungry, like you know, yeah. kind of like get what you want sort of thing. Um, so right. yeah, maybe, maybe that'll be tomorrow's. Oh, <laughs> you well, you've been on a Michael yeah. Mann kick, right? So I have. Um, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, there's an the animalistic approach to the acting, and also you know we talked about elsewit the the dp he um in filming the movie was he could sort of approach it like a like a wildlife documentary um yeah so that's why there's very little uh use of like you know like he used a wide angle lens and very little uh, i think he used like depth of field like he avoided soft focus you know everything's pretty much in focus like it's very deep focused Mm -hmm. um to bring about that sense of, you know, that you're watching sort of like a, you know, wildlife or animal documentary, which is sort of yeah. like in the back of your head, like not something you would notice, especially the first time you watched it.
1: But yeah. once I became aware of that, I was like,
0: oh, okay. I can see that, you know? But like,
1: it is funny because Lou is constantly saying wide angle, wide, wide angle. angle. Movie, <laughs> yeah, he so does say so that. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. so Steady like, hands you know, and wide they, angle. They shot it how Lou would have wanted. Exactly. To yeah. It's yeah, and, and to go along with that,
0: um, so not only did they shoot the movie, the way Lou would have wanted it to be shot, but the music in the film is actually supposed to be so. You know, at first because when you listen to the music in the film, you kind of, you know, at least in my head, I was kind of like, oh, that was an interesting choice or sort of like an odd choice, you know, because it's almost mm. like triumphant. The music it's sort of it's yeah. sort of very c- cinematic, which is not something mm. you would associate with this kind of film or with, you know, like sort of more um, documentary type films. Yeah. Um, but there's, the reasoning for that I found very interesting is that all the music cues are actually supposed to be in Lou's head. So, interesting. So when he, sort for example, when he gets like his first big shot, you know, he's like filming on like a some, I don't know, some car wreck or something. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this triumphant music in the background, even though there's like this bleeding victim that he's filming, you know, it's, so it's like that juxtaposition between what we're seeing and how mm-hmm. maybe how lou feels about it you know in his own head like i got the shot you know like this is gonna be great yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah, um, yeah. i'm going places uh so yeah I've, that's interesting. so that's yeah because at first the music threw me off a little bit i'm like oh i didn't really you know think it would go in that direction but there's a reason mm-hmm. for it having such a cinematic score i guess you could say yeah that i found pretty interesting um yeah interesting. yeah so i mean you know we, we talked about like uh at the beginning of the show we talked about the movie's relevancy and um you know like i said with the proliferation of cell phone footage that you see on the news you know all the time now um i think it just only proves this movie more relevant and kind of i I think foreshadowing you you never
1: know how a movie is going to age until it's been Mm -hmm. around for probably 20 or 30 years but this is one of those ones where if if you were going to ask me to hedge bets on movies that will age well over time, ideologically yeah. and become more and more relevant, oh, yeah. um, I, I feel like this is one that will Unfortunately. only only become yeah. more illuminating as to what is happening in the world as time goes yeah.
0: by. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, there yeah. was part of me that was, you know, as I watched the movie, I was kind of like, would they really show this on the news? But then I don't know. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, I, I mean, mean if, but I don't know. If, I mean, I know like they they blur team. out
0: faces and things like that, but even then, it's still pretty graphic.
1: Yeah, it, I, I mean, that, that is there's a yeah. little bit of suspension of disbelief, but what I will say Unless is... Unless it's supposed it, to be it, like it, the near future, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, but what I will say, I, I recently was listening to, or I don't remember what it was, watching something about, you know, about news, and um, this movie came out and was probably in theaters when the Sandy Hook shootings happened, mm-hmm. um, and I remember when that happened, them interviewing the parents of children who had just died. So it's like yeah. it's one of those things where we say, Is this going too far? Yeah. But then, you know, to be realistic, but then literally when a few months after mm. this movie came out, you had people being interviewed within hours of the worst thing mm. that could possibly happen yeah, on the planet. Well, you know, it's like it's like, mm. yeah, maybe like the how graphic it is went too far, but how uh, how much it exploits someone, how much it yeah. puts oh, on display. For sure, yeah. You know, I, it doesn't like that. Like, that's why I think it's believable. Mm. Is it's like maybe they wouldn't show the blood and guts, yeah, but they'll show the emotional blood and guts, the emotional. Blood and and guts, you're right. that might just be yeah. in this case, it's just an expressionistic choice, yeah, of what yeah, it, is already it happening. gets the point across for sure. And it's
0: and it's yeah. certainly not much of a leap to you know to think that TV yeah. again, like maybe this is the near mm-hmm. future, maybe this is where we're headed. I, I really don't know. I, I really yeah. hope not. And the, but, um, yeah,
1: well, and this isn't just you know, I'm not trying to just indict the news either. I think there's just well there's obviously you know, better, yeah, obviously, you, you, know you, you if you can only if you're pointing a f you are pointing you can not you can only point the finger at the news if you don't watch it. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like I think all of us to a certain you know, it's like well, yeah, all of us are the audience, yeah. you know, as long as, as long as we keep tuning into these. I try not to uh, awful, in my defense, I
0: will. <laughs> I
1: try not to also but, I know, but you, I you have to to stay also in, but it's I tricky
0: think, because you have to stay
1: informed, right? So yeah, yeah, you have to stay informed. And I think I think as long as there are people who are curious about the most you know, tragic and despicable aspects yeah, of as long as people... humanity uh, in, in a real way, mm-hmm. you know, and who aren't just stepping back and saying, "Let me read about it in the paper a week from now when we know more about it." You know, yeah. as long as we want to get that oh, kind yeah. of immediate, instant <laughs> gratification and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Schadenfreude, I believe, is the word. Mm. Um, the, the kind of the catharsis through yeah. other people's pain. It's like yeah. they'll keep doing this, and in that in that sense, yeah. Lou is no more culpable than. <laughs> you know anyone else he's just a part of a part of the cycle as long as people so. tune
0: in and click and whatever you know like it, yeah yeah it's again it's like not it's it, it's a little extreme in this film like the mm-hmm. way they present it but at the same time it's it's mm-hmm. not that far well yeah but it's like you from, know if if, yeah.
1: the, if the thing that sold was you know a girl scout troop selling the most cookies <laughs> lou would be shooting that and he'd be a great guy <laughs> But that's you know. Yeah, we'll but ultimately, more, that's not what the yeah. uh, hopefully more wholesome cause, cause movie. Lou, Lou clearly yeah because I don't think Lou has a, an obsession with the macabre. No. I don't get the sense that no. he's someone like yeah. that. I think it's just that he's opportunistic. He's a capitalist. Yeah, it's like in the you know, beginning
0: and, of the movie, he's doing something else that that is immoral, but he thinks is going to get him
1: somewhere or at least make him money. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, because you know, because there are definitely people out there who like you know are like would be doing this kind of job because they have some kind of a dark fascination with mm-hmm. it or something. Um, but I don't think that's Lou. I think it's yeah. just whatever. Self, Lou is, you know,
0: he's a scavenger. He really is like a coyote. Like yeah. he just saw mm-hmm. you know, whatever is the weakest prey he'll go after. Um,
1: he'll go after. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the path of least resistance. Exactly. Um, yeah. This, this, yeah. So,
0: so it's, it's certainly a very intense and engaging watch. You know, I really enjoyed, this was my second time seeing Nightcrawler and I yep. really enjoyed it. If not the same, or like probably even more than the first time I saw it. Um, Mostly because great. I was really analyzing it, you know, for the show, obviously, but...
1: Yeah, it's yeah. it's a great discussion movie. It really it's, is. You know, yeah. I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if this is necessarily a movie night movie that you watch with yeah. a bunch of your friends, but It's like, not a cult film say... in the
0: same way, like, a lot of our movies are cult films, but yeah. it, it really... Like, like yeah. it's,
1: it's not a good movie to get, like, drunk and, like, <laughs> no. at, but, like that, <laughs> yeah. but, like, you know, it's a great one to watch with, like, you know, your friends who really enjoy getting into some kind of philosophical discussions, yeah. because... You know, we've been talking for over an hour at this point, point. And, and I have no <laughs> doubt that we could go for another <laughs> for sure. hour or much longer uh-huh. on this one. Mm. Um, so, you know, really, really, yeah. really thought-provoking. It, it really
0: is. The movie itself is really like a car crash where you, you don't want to look, yeah. but at the same time, you can't look away. Mm-hmm. Like, it it feels like that, which is appropriate.
1: Um, but like a sm- a smart car crash, <laughs> like you know you you know you're in good hands, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. you but you can't you can't look away. Um. um yeah. I mean, it's, it's
0: it's tough subject matter, but the again the performances. And the script, I think, really make it like a
1: cult film. Yeah, beautifully written. Yeah, I, I would love to see a novelization of this. Oh, that would be interesting. Personally, like with, yeah. with inner monologue and, and everything. Or? I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth on that, yeah. but I feel like it would be really interesting to see how this would how this would uh, function if it was written out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure the script does that, but but yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe a first person. It's probably an awful idea because so much of it is how we <laughs> yeah. only get. a maybe little Yeah, maybe that would take loop. away from it, but no, it would be. But I'd, yeah. I'd also be really curious, and obviously, no one could write it. Yeah, but well, that's the know, thing. Like, it's, it's, it's
0: human nature. Like, I understand. Like, a lot of people in different forms of media, they prefer a lot of backstory, right? Like, I, I think it's just human yeah. nature to know about the character mm-hmm. you're watching and, and to make to it, you know it helps you feel more invested, I guess, in the character. Yeah. But for me personally, like, I've never, I don't know. Never really subscribe to that. I kind of feel like characters where you don't know their backstory are almost more yeah. interesting. But you know, it, again, like it—it it it, 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 so it really it does depend. Character. Like you know, I'm not saying everything has to be like that because yeah. that would get old and, and boring, obviously. Yeah. But no, the, but yeah, when I it happens, there, some people, yeah, and, yeah, like you know, like or like the Joker in the Dark Knight, like how he had no backstory or you didn't know what his backstory was because he made it up every time, you know, like stuff like that is intriguing. Um, and again, Mm -hmm. not everything can be like that. Not every character can be like that, but in certain instances and this, and Nightcrawler is certainly one of them. I think it just works so well. Um, where you just, you know, and I think part of that is because I am such a a fan of documentaries and, and sort of like fly on the wall documentaries where you really are just watching Mm -hmm. what's happening. And so I have that, I don't know. I, I like that voyeuristic approach. Um, yeah. And I, so I just, I, that's another reason I think I really uh, respond to this, which story. works too yeah. because
1: that's you know what what Lou Lou is, Lou is a voyeur. He, yeah, he's filming other people exactly. And yeah. I think there is something thematic. You know, it's like with, yeah. when he shoots footage, we don't get the backstory of these people. Mm-hmm. The news we as we saw later on the news creates the backstory. Yeah, you know exactly. They'll and they'll so make it whatever like, they want it to be. So you know we're we're watching Lou through the same lens that he's <laughs> watching everyone else. We're we're just there Yeah. You know, we, we, we showed up and just happened to follow him around right. for this stretch of his life, yeah. um, and that's it. We, we 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 figure out our own mm-hmm. context.
0: Yeah, and there is so much more we could say about this film, but we'll have to stop there. Uh, or the we should, <laughs> yeah, uh, before
1: before we wrap up we uh, should because this is the yeah, end of our series. That's wrapped. Yeah. So um well well I guess first off, uh, Mark, any specific images or moments that just you w- maybe want to bring attention to before we oh for th- move on here? for this film you mean. For, for this film, yeah, and then we can um, go
0: to the... I mean, the, again, the scene where he's sitting at the news anchor desk, um, I just like that yeah. kind of quiet moment. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't really talk about the scene where he breaks the mirror, like, shatters the mirror. I'm honestly... Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, I, 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 yeah. I like, you know... It, again, it's sort of like the taxi driver thing where, like, you know, anti hero mm-hmm. And again, you don't see him, like, talking to himself in the mirror or anything like that. I guess I do find it interesting that he does... Like, why... You know, because it does leave that question in your head, like, what why why did he do this i guess you don't really see him act out like that any other point in the movie so it almost feels a little out of i don't know it's a little jarring like it, yeah. it's
1: well it's it's just seeing actual emotion yeah it's seeing an actual so, emotion which know, is weird yeah. it's, it's it's not calculated mm-hmm. everything but even else that in the movie even is, that is i feel like maybe they showed too much
0: <laughs> even that yeah. what you know what i mean like maybe we should know he's angry you know I don't know. That's just that's yeah. just me being like I like really cryptic things. Like I like you know I like David Lynch and and uh, you know Twin Peaks. So I like really cryptic things. But so to me that was almost too much to show that. I do appreciate that yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal really broke the mirror and actually I think he actually injured himself. Um, at that no, and the mirror fell beautifully. Oh, it, I, I mean, mean it's just, a great, yeah. A, I mean, as a film lover, I can appreciate it. As a film lover, oh, I mean, there are so many great, yeah. like, character in front of the mirror scenes in movies. So I get yeah. it. Like, I get the inclination to put that, a scene like that in there, but that was the only scene that doesn't
1: entirely work for me. Yeah, it, it, it definitely could have been played. It's super a short. More.
0: Like, it's super you know, yeah. quick, but, um,
1: yeah. yeah. But anyway, it, it, it could have been, there's there a moment in, um, in, in the more recent Joker movie with Walking Yeah, Phoenix, I was just thinking which, about you know, that, too. Yeah. Where, where he, he's, like, about to cry or something and then he just forces a smile onto his yeah. face. And I feel like something like that where we're, like, about to see Lou explode <laughs> and then he's just, like... Yeah. Could have been... In, but, you it know, keeps honestly... You guessing, yeah. At the same time, though, I don't know if in a movie like this not seeing one emotional moment from him might have just been, like, too alienating. Maybe. I don't know, um, but... So, I yeah. don't know. You know, it, it's in the movie. It's it's a beautiful film and, it's and a I trust sh- that yeah, it was there. It's a good shot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but um.
0: But, yeah, you you asked, like, what other moments stand stand out. I guess, yeah, I I don't know, the way he reacts with or interacts with um, the character Rick. Like, there are some scenes where he, you know, where he's really scary uh, just talking to Rick in the car, like, just just the way he's talking to him and and things like that stood out to me. So menacing. Yeah, so menacing. Um, But how about you? Were were there any things that stood out? So
1: the the moments that are coming to mind, I'm just going to look at my notes here really quick and see if there was anything else. Um. So one, yeah, kind of, kind of two little, two little moments, mm-hmm. um, that I thought were, were, were cool. Were um, one is is this because I am gonna keep going back to Robert L's wit because I I do. Oh, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal definitely carries this movie, but I think the cinematography is just oh, yeah. doing so much work For here. Sure. And but this also could be a writing thing. I, I don't know who came up with this, but there's there's one sequence pretty early on in the movie, where we see a few shots just outside. I think we're maybe seeing like uh. A satellite dish or something like that it's daytime and then we cut to lou just sitting in his apartment watching television and he's sitting in the dark Mm. and i just thought that was really cool he's sitting in the dark with like one little lamp on and i just thought that that was such a beautiful character Mm -hmm. thing is that like going back to the vampire motif just establishing that so early on that it's the middle of the day in los angeles which you know for anyone who hasn't been there has like the most beautiful sunlight on the planet and he's just choosing to sit in the dark in the middle of the day. Yeah, he prefers the dark. So I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I just want to shout out the the montage when he's kind of starting to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that that was a really cool montage. I think that I, I love montages like that, like the the getting better montage, <laughs> particularly when it's a character <laughs> so, who yeah. who you're like not supposed to it's be so rooting for, but character. he has a little bit of that yeah. like Rocky training. Yeah, a, <laughs> you know, again that which I just yeah. thought was I just thought was really cool in this kind of movie because you, you don't really notice it at the time, but watching it a second time. Mm. I was like, oh, that's really funny. Like, this is we, like, yeah, oh, like, Lou is doing it. He's succeeding. It's exciting. <laughs> but then, like, you see what he's doing, and it's very disturbing. Yeah. And again, um, so like the I, music. I think,
0: yeah. Like the triumphant music. Yeah. All, yeah. Of
1: course. So, yeah. I, I'm someone who just really loves a little bit of Kish mm-hmm. played off of. Um, oh, th- played well, off of some, really dark things thematically. That's something
0: we didn't really talk about at all. That this, this movie's very funny, I think. like, Yeah. Oh, it's super yeah, funny. Yeah. Like, it's, it's definitely, mean, yeah. like, part dark comedy, I would say. Yeah. Like, like it's not, like, haha funny, but
1: there's a lot of shit in it. It's like, it, you know it's funny in the some way like the, Hereditary is funny yeah like, you know, so, like
0: yeah like some of the lines they say or you don't know it, it's just the way it's just it's a yeah. very well written film yeah um,
1: yeah and ju- and just the, the the behavior and the kind yeah. of it's like um like I, I really like Ruben Osland, the director I don't know Mark, have you uh, seen his movies like uh, Force Majeure or Triangle of Sadness or no, I have Square I, I think you would really like okay. those actually but but it's it's the kind of the same thing where it might be dealing with something although his movies are com- more I would say more comedies. Mm-hmm than anything else, but it's this kind of dry humor where it's just like, yeah. when you look at human behavior close enough, but it almost like Lewis is interesting because he's such a not human, you know, <laughs> that it, by looking at someone who, it's almost like he's like an alien mm-hmm. trying to be a human or, or it's it's the same kind of humor mm-hmm. you know which which once again why this could be pressing in years to come is like when you plug something into an, into an AI you know they have all these a- oh, AI guys now yeah. that can like write and you ask it to write a screenplay and it writes something so ridiculous because it's trying to be a human but isn't and it could be writing a script about something really serious but just because it doesn't understand human emotion mm-hmm. it's going to do something that's inherently funny yeah. and I think there are a lot of moments like that where it's just funny because Lou is just so not human mm-hmm. that it draws attention to how weird actual human behavior mm-hmm. is Um uh, that I think it can just be really weirdly funny yeah at times and I,
0: I like that the movie is hard to define and that it, it does fit all these different yeah. styles sort of like a you know it's like a, it's a character mm-hmm. piece it's a, a drama it's a thriller it's a, a yeah. dark comedy um yeah it's it's horror, horror well kind of yeah you know, t- but not yeah but not nah, to end our series, you know, yeah. it's it's not a horror film, but it is mm-hmm. certainly horrific. And uh, the films, you know, all the films that we talked about in the series, I think fit that mold. I think they're all very different from each other, but mm-hmm. all have this, those similar themes and, and similar things that make them horrific. And uh, yeah, I don't even know if I have a conclusion, but, you know, uh, just thinking about it, I think everything made sense. You know, and I think everything mm-hmm. that we talked about had its place. But, you know, does anything stand out to you as maybe like, a defining last-minute uh, <laughs> summary that we can make because we did not prepare for this part of the episode. Well, I, I just think,
1: <laughs> well, yeah. One, one thing I just kind of found myself thinking about is just um, just the idea of opportunity, especially uh, now. You know, we're we're hitting a point where horror, although it's still, I think, in many ways and by many people, looked down upon as like yeah, kind a of lesser, the a you know, lesser, horror. you know, the the the, uh, the ugly stepchild <laughs> of more. Uh, prestigious cinema mm-hmm. but i think we're, we're starting to reach a point where horror films are really taken seriously and you're seeing yeah. prominent directors and actors working in horror mm-hmm. and i think you know the movies like the ones we've talked about in this series maybe kind of predict a future in a way where because there doesn't have to be this distinction and don't get me wrong i love horror and i hope that horror horror films capital h horror films never go away <laughs> but i think that You know, what what we've seen in this series is that there is an opportunity for filmmakers and writers and everyone, you know, not just books, anything, in the future where you can take this idea of horror and scary things and use them to tell interesting Mm -hmm. stories that don't just have to be about the scares. They can just kind of weave in these darker aspects of of the human condition to get to something more. And
0: it doesn't have to be about traditional monsters or creatures, although that's all well and good. I mean, I do enjoy a good monster movie, but... That's not what we were talking about here. You know, we're talking about different types of monsters, um, which mm-hmm. take the place, you know, take the form of humans or take the form of, you know, what, whatever it, it may be, subject matter um, that we've talked about, uh, you know, different things, but psychological things even. Um, but I think those could still be horror films, and I think we we sort of proved that uh, with the series, and or if not, you know, at least it was just an interesting way to look at these movies, or maybe next time you're watching a movie you'll think of it in a different light or, you know, is this maybe, you know, sort of horrific or a different genre maybe than I originally mm-hmm. thought, or, you know, just looking at things from different angles. Um, I'm not a big label guy. Like I don't like putting labels on things and, yeah. you know, so I think there's
1: always multiple ways to look at mm-hmm. things and multiple genres going on. Um, well, particularly, particularly in a medium and especially in the American film industry where labeling is so important because that's how movies are sold. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just exciting to see works of art that are allowed to exist outside of that. Yeah. And in the case of most of these movies, um, everything with the exception of Bug, I guess, which was kind of overlooked in its time a mm-hmm. little. But like, you know, Nightcrawler, Jacob's Ladder and Eraserhead were all very successful mm-hmm. in their own rights. Yeah. In their own rights. And so it, I think it's just, you know, the, the, the fight, I guess the, the fight we're fighting here is that. It's good to blur genre. Yeah, blur, and, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. You know, like, it, it's exciting. The blurring
0: of the line is is what's exciting and, and interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. So, and I, Jeremy, I know like yeah. as a filmmaker, you've you've dabbled with with uh, horror, and and I've done it oh, as yeah. well in my writing projects. And so, I always like when there's elements of horror, um, even if it isn't traditional horror or what you would expect, because mm-hmm. that's boring to get always what you expect. So, um, it's good to yeah. to try different things and look at it in different ways. And yeah, I mm-hmm. think. The series hopefully um, opened people up to that, or at least made people think of things in, in different ways. So, um, or just affirmed what you are. but affirmed, yeah. You extra resilience. You're probably way ago. ahead of us. You already knew all this. Put your
1: foot down and <laughs> speak up for it. So,
0: yeah, it was just you know, it was just a fun idea we had, and um, I think it turned into a pretty good series. So, uh, thank you as always, Jeremy, and uh, we'll get to work on the next one soon. But uh, for now, did you have any, I guess, closing thoughts on the series as a whole? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, covered it. Um, Horror is in all forms. You just have to look for it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's a comforting thought to end on. Just look Mm. around you. No. Uh, (laughs) Look around you. It's all scary. Everything is horrific. It kind of is true. Oh, boy. Anyway, especially if you turn on the news. All right, no more about the news. Yeah, all right, no more. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you, as always, uh, for listening to the series and this episode. And we'll be back with a whole new series, hopefully very soon. We'll let you know. Uh, But for now, thank you for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on the usual social media. Uh, If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult, be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult, and until next time, so long from the other side.